Hey there, it's Alowin, better known as the voice behind Averin, with a word from our sponsor. This session brought to you in part by Fiverr, the best place to find freelance services for your business. Whether you're in the market for commissioned art, or even script writing, which I probably should have utilized prior to recording this so I didn't have to do it six times, you can find on Fiverr. It's a whole world of freelance available right at your fingertips with options for every budget. Find high quality services at every price point, no hourly rates, and just project-based pricing. You'll find quality work done quickly with the right freelancer to begin working on your project within minutes. Your payments are protected every time. Always know what you'll pay up front and your payment isn't released until you approve the work. And know that Fiverr has your back with 24 seven support. Not in the market for services, but looking to augment your own income? Fiverr is powered by freelance artists just like you. So sign up today at Fiverr.com. That's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! Welcome to the world of Selena. Hello everyone and welcome to Queers and Spears presents the world of Luna SideQuest Bottom Sept. I am your modest game master, CJ, and in just a few minutes, I'll be introducing you to a whole new cast of characters of whom I affectionately call the Sacred Seven. Before we get into the game, I want to give you the audience, a glimpse at what we're cooking up. This is Queers and Spears, an LGBTQ plus TTRPG actual play show, which takes place on the homebrewed world of Saluna. It's here we tell tales of adventure, love, and sorrow for all to enjoy. The system that we will be using for Fodum Sept is D&D 5th edition, with a few homebrew rules added to spice things up. One of those mechanics is called Blood Dice. With Blood Dice, our lovely PCs may add a single E6 to any skill check, ability check, or saving throw, taking only one per action. But the catch is, is for every D6 they take, I also take one to use at any time during the campaign. And now, let's set the stage. Seven faded heroes. Or at least, 
that's what the elders have always said. The elders spoke the encryption on the great formation. Monday's child is fair of face. Tuesday's child is full of grace. Wednesday's child is full of woe. Thursday's child has far to go. Friday's child is loving and Saturday's child works hard for their living. And the child that is born on the Sabbath day is bonnie and blithe and good and gay. Here on the Isle of Suntura, the sacred seven have long been destined to come when the island needed them most. But time ever raged on and wars came and went, but no heroes. Now, one year past the ascension of the new gods and goddesses, the ancient formation in Lenloch is showing signs of distress, and the king's soothsayer say it is the prophecy revealing our heroes finally. The islands are in danger, but from what? Let's find out. We're going to be starting with Monday's child. Will you please introduce yourself? Hello. Um, yeah, so uh, we have a, a youngish man who appears to be about 26 of age, who has uh, pointed ears, uh, slightly pointed ears, uh, golden eyes, and white bra pointed branches growing out of the sides of his temple. Uh, he has his auburn hair slipped slicked back and is wearing a dark green shirt with a black overcoat kind of thing. Incredible. So we will refer to your character as R for now. R, you are currently walking around a nearby outpost outside of Lenloch. You have received this invitation probably about three or four days ago, and you know that it's probably only about half a day away until you get to the steps of Lenloch for this party tonight. What do you think R would be doing in the leading up to this party? I would say that R is probably gathering some things out of his pack to make sure that he has certain uh, things ready for when he gets to the party. Uh, he's going over one, the invitation making sure that he doesn't have to do any other additional steps when he gets there, or if there's any instructions that come with it. And he is also uh, probably just trying to plan how the night's going to go. Awesome. So go ahead, 
and just give me a, a history check. Sure. History. All right. So I will not be using blood dice, but let's see. <laughs> <laughs> history. Uh, an 11. An 11. With yeah. an 11, it's plenty enough to know. You have been to Lenloch before. You've walked the streets. You've uh, gotten to know some of the locals in there. And you've um, earned your fair share um, doing your business in Lenloch. So you know your ways around. You know the quickest way to Valiant's Peak, which is where the castle sits atop in the middle of the city itself. Um, so you know the quickest way to get in there, and as you're kind of rummaging through your bag and looking and making sure you have the essentials, going through your mental checklist and just making sure that all T's are crossed, all I's are dotted, and it seems like you have everything that you may need for your future adventure. Everything is all kind of there, accounted for. You've got all of your different setups for whomever you want to speak to or speak as and you uh kind of gather your things in your bag and strap it kind of confidently knowing that you know what it's like up into the doors of the castle but once you get in there it's kind of a whole different ball game so you're kind of like ready to go with the flow kind of like deal with the punches as they come I think one thing that R would do as a preparatory and extra step kind of thing is that he's going to take one of his other, like, outfits and lightly mm -hmm. sew it into his jacket. So it's, like, hidden behind. Just in case. Amazing. So you... Else. Awesome. So your your years of kind of threading together your different outfits for you to use allows you to quickly just kind of quick stitch this onto the inside so that at any given point you can kind of like flip out your jacket inside out or just kind of flash the interior to kind of show who you want to be within that moment. And as you start to kind of walk and make your way towards Lenloch, we are going to go to our next faded hero, Tuesday's child. Will you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. Um, so you come upon a young woman. Some would say she would probably be around, oh, mid-20s, 25, 26. But... As you close in on her, you see that she is of elven descent, or more so, a drow. She stands at her workshop, gloved hands covered in grease, her snow-white hair pulled back into a high ponytail. She seems to have lost all focus in the world, except for what she's working on. The glittering lights flickering off the metal that she is diligently working with as she hums a tune to herself. Oriana is very oh. diligent. 
and very careful what she does. And the world seems to fade away whenever she is at work. Absolutely. So, Oriana, you find yourself in your home in Aramor. You are, as always, in your workshop. You are currently bent over your work table with lights beating down at what you're currently tinkering at. And why don't you, you have a tinker a proficiency, I believe, in tinkerer's tools, if I'm not mistaken. Will you give me a tinkerer's tools check, which is just your dexterity plus proficiency? Plus proficiency. Absolutely. Um, not to ask a silly question, but that would be, what's my, oh yes, okay, never mind. I see it now. That is going to be a nine. <laughs> a nine. So you are sitting here kind of putting the final details on your latest contraption. Um, you are kind of like making sure that the wings of this contraption are all bent correctly so that there is no uh, wrongness in the aerodynamics as it flies. You're making sure that all of the gears are lined up. And as you're kind of like fumbling with it, like you're so close to finishing, you can kind of like taste it. One of the little gears just kind of flies out and just kind of lands on the floor next to you. Ah, oh, damn it. This is not how I need tonight to go. She runs her hands through, um, over her hair and kind of grabs the back of her ponytail as she steps back and gives her mom takes a moment to breathe. This needs to be perfect. All I need you is to work with me. Please, my child. She picks up the little metal, what she would call the Mockingbird. It's a silver little bird that if you look close enough, you can see a sending stone in its stomach. Where whoever speaks to it, the messages say it within the uh, mechanism that she's made to record what is being said. But she can't seem to get it to just quite stay together. It's almost like the stone is just too big. Or maybe the bird is just too small. But something isn't quite right. And she can't help but feel like and, this is... Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Um, all I was going to say is she can't help but to feel that this is a sign for the evening ahead. And that makes her anxious. Yeah, as you, that you're 100% right, is as you're just kind of like, you're trying so hard to focus on what the task at hand, you know, like from your thought to your hands, making this mockingbird, this mockingjay work. And, but just, you know that that invitation was sent to you, not just to you, but your parents as well to come to this party and it's just been kind of tingling on the back of your mind for the past couple of days 
because you've known you're going to this party, but you know you're going to this party with your parents. So as you're kind of falling and trying to push yourself deeper into this project, go ahead and give me one more tinkering check. Okay. Actually, let me use a different d20 this time. That's going to be an 18. Fantastic. So you kind of slip that gear back where it belongs and you put a little like fastener on the end so that kind of like binds the metal piece so that the gear can't slip out as easily. And you realize that as you're putting that in, you're putting that safety in, that that whole mechanism that you've been playing with is actually inverted a little bit too much, which is why it keeps popping off. It keeps hitting that sending stone a little bit too close. And you realize that if you bent it out just a little bit more and just kind of put it at more of a 90 degree angle, it should work as intended. I think she smiles as she realizes and says, oh, of course, of course. How could I be so daft? Oh, I knew I should have readjusted that earlier and made that. Oh, yes. Okay. I see. I see what I did there. All right. Oh, beautiful. You beautiful little creature. She holds the mockingbird up and gives a little kiss. Oh, you're going to be so brilliant when you're at work. Oh, I can't wait to put you into auction. <sighs> should be sooner. And the the bird itself because it's been infused with magical arcana ability from just the inhibit like magic from this sending stone you see the bird start to kind of like creak its head forward like very quickly and very like very mechanically and it just starts to kind of like whir almost in your hand as it starts to kind of like move and kind of like bring its shoulders up and back down and kind of adjusting its neck side to side and kind of getting a like view of the world around you with very quick sharp motions as it's just kind of looking around. I think she holds it up perching it on her finger and kind of looks smiles and said go on you can do it give yourself a try you can you can fly my dear go ahead it kind of stretches its wings out it's very like freaky in the beginning as it's the first time it's doing this it's just kind of like stops halfway at first and then just shoots out to its full length and it just starts to kind of like move its wings in a flapping motion slowly kind of understanding the air and how it works through its metal feathers as it just kind of shines as the light pours in from the window and off of the desk work lamps you have already blasting and it kind of hunches over just a little bit and with a big flap of its wings it kind of starts doing a little figure eight around your ceiling and just flying around and you're staring up and smiling at this beautiful creation and that you spent countless hours working on having finally a moment of just like serenity and peace and it is interrupted by a knock at your door she sighs heavily and she's 
straightens herself up and removes her gloves and sets them on her desk. She raises her hand for the bird to land on and brings it down and sets it upon her shoulder, giving a moment before she looks to the door and she says, Yes, come in. Uh, the door knob creaks a little bit. Not very much, because you've done some work to the doorknob to stop the incessant creaking it's done over the past couple of years. And it swings open, and you see your mother and your father. Your father, Velkin, and your mother, Akoravin. They are standing in the doorframe. They are both wearing very beautiful, decorated outfits. Like, your mother is in a beautiful floor-length dress, but still has a captain's jacket over it that is just highly decorated with medals. And your father is the same. He's wearing a, like, stark white outfit from top to bottom with a very decorated jacket on top. And they look at you, and they kind of look at the Mockingjay kind of flying around, and they're like... Ah, daughter, did you finally finish it? Yes. Took a little bit of extra work, but I finally got it right. I'm very proud of how it came to be. I'm very, very proud, your mother says. Uh, you, go ahead and give me an insight check with that. Of course. That's going to be an eight. An eight. Your mother, she seems pretty, She like, her words seem fairly genuine as she, like, talks to you, and she's, like, like you can see the, the happiness on her face and, like, the rosiness in her cheeks as she says that she's proud of you for finishing uh, your project. Um, and your father and your mother both kind of, like, quickly kind of, like, cut the pleasantries pretty quickly. And your father kind of looks at you and you're like, well, um... We are set to leave in about an hour and a half to go to Lenloch. Are you, um, are you ready? Are you, or at least near ready? I think Oriana is very used to how her parents operate. And she also knows that they are not ones to uh, be anything less than punctual, especially when it comes to manners involving the king. Or his court. So Oriana has been preparing just in her own way. And she gives a very short nod and says, Yes, I will be ready before we leave. I have been preparing all afternoon. Just because I'm not in my dress does not mean that I'm not almost ready. No, of course not. I'm sure you've been preparing for this since we've told you. Um, we just have a few last things we need to collect before going off. We will be down in the carriage about 15 minutes from takeoff, so you are welcome to join us anywhere within that 15-minute span, or even before if you happen to be finished with all of your chores and your getting ready. I will see you then. No sooner, no later. I will always be on time, as you've taught me. I just need a little time to make sure I have all the finishing touches prepared 
as you know, I'm very detail-oriented. So, no worries, no worries. I'll be down there as I should be. So, I will join you in the carriage for 15 till departure. As you asked. Thank you very much, my daughter. I look very forward to seeing what your final draft may be. And they both give a small nod to you, just like, there's, it's very, there's, it's not 100% warm, but it's warm to you. It's a small bow that just is like a, an acknowledgement towards you, like a, like, we'll see you later. Um, you, you receive affection from your parents usually, but sometimes in rush or in times of great stress, usually that nod is all you will receive. It's, she's become very accustomed to the nod, I think, especially in the last few years and especially the last few months, uh, the nod is something, probably the warmest thing she receives from them. Um, and I think that given her ambitions and what she hopes to achieve in the world, she's gotten very used to the coldness. And if anything, she finds the comfort of it because at least it's something from them. So she returns the nod as a small bow before she uh, turns back her back to the door and when she hears the door close she rubs her hands over her face and takes a deep breath and she looks up to the sky well her ceiling and says gods be with me i'm gonna need the strength tonight and as you look up to the sky thinking about the list of things that you have to make sure you have ready before you take off. You see that little Mockingjay flying above you as a reminder of what your persistence can get you. And from there, we're going to move on to our next hero, Wednesday's Child. Will you please introduce yourself? Um... Like a self-introduction or an introduction of my character? You're welcome to do either. No one yet has done a self-introduction. So I'll if you want to be the character. first, you're welcome to. Okay. No, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, Woe is a young girl, about 18 or 19 years old. Uh, she has forest green hair and emerald green eyes. And she is... Very timid, uh, to the point where she will cry a lot. Her first language is Sylvain, which we agreed sounds uh, suspiciously like German, so she will be speaking with a German accent, and I'm sorry if my German accent's not great, but I am getting better. Absolutely. Uh, well, practice does make perfect. Yes. Is there anything else you would like to add, Well, Um, oh, uh, very important. Well, will be debuting a homebrew subclass for druids called the Circle of Well. Uh, this is a playtest for it, and I do plan to publish it if it goes successful after this campaign. 
We'd love to see it. I'm very excited to explore the depths of this new druid circle with you. And with that, we are going to trans. We're going to place you back a week from the party. This is the day that you received your invitation. This invitation was specifically addressed to you, which is something that Woe is not 100% used to yet, because usually things are addressed to not just Woe, but to also Spring as well. This is the first time that it is just your name on the invitation. And when you do receive the invitation and you kind of read through it with Spring at your side, she bring is this not quite elderly woman i'd say she's probably somewhere in her like maybe at least like her age and appearance looks somewhere in her like young 50s or so so like an older mother kind of vibe and she is the woman who it raised you from from the day that you can remember. And Spring looks at you and is like, So, little one, how do you feel? This is uh, your first uh, party on your own. Oh, Oma, it uh, feels like it is the uh, funny mail. Like a yes. practical joking on me. Uh, yes, yes. It. Uh, I, vi I wish. I wish this was a practical joke. Um, this is. Uh, this is very um, real. Uh, you can tell because uh, here she rips off a piece of the invitation and hands it to you. I immediately try and eat it. You go ahead. You down that. Like that's exactly what spring was kind of no insight check needed that's what spring handed it to you for is like you eat it it tastes like really expensive like like thick hard stock like linen paper like this is really expensive paper not something that you would like find like on like the scribblings that you know praise and triumph will sometimes put around the house this is real nice thick cardstock and uh spring looks at you and she's like you see this is uh this is from the king himself this is not uh one of those regular you know hoity-toity parties i always make us go to but um this is uh this is the real deal and um it's just asking for you it uh it has the notes of oh hmm Yes, Third yes, favorite can, uh, paper I've eaten today. Well, um, I could always rip some more. She kind of like, kind of tears around the actual important information that's on the invitation and gives you like the rest of the scraps in like small little like triangle rips for you to enjoy like potato I'm, chips almost. I'm more like nibbling on them, kind of like sucking on just the edges to savor it. Mm-hmm. So you kind of take it very slowly, like piece by piece, so that you not only can enjoy it now, but can enjoy it later as well. 
I'll put some in my pocket spring. later. My dress has pockets. Of course. The best kind of dresses have pockets. You place it in your little pockets um, as you kind of hold one and savor it. Um, and then as you're kind of like discussing some of the like, because this is going to be your first journey, not alone, but just to lend Loch alone. Uh, spring is kind of going over the details of like, when you get to this marker in the forest, you're going to make a right hand turn and you're going to continue for 500 paces. It's Thank not you. like Google Maps directions. It's like, it's very Have like quest directions. <laughs> yes. It's very like, you're going to go to this special rock that has moss on all sides. And then you're going to take a right turn. So it's like very specific directions to help you get to Lenloch. And as she's kind of finishing up all of that, you're standing in what is, you know, Oh, as your home, uh, you kind of hear some hard footsteps on the porch outside, and you hear also just a little bit of, like, banging and crashing, like pots are kind of getting tipped over, and, like, boards are taking, like, the full weight of a footstep outside. Um... I'm I'm probably like repeating like five hundred pace must rock left right right yes yes you go to the must rock the whole must rock you turn right you go five hundred steps then you come across a river you follow the river all the way down then when you get to the town of mushrooms. You had due east for 1,000 paces, and you will be in Lenloch. Yes, eat mushroom. Yes, be oh. careful when you eat your mushroom. Ask the locals which mushrooms are okay to eat or not. Oma? Will yes, you not my be sweet. joining? No, my sweet. This is, um... I was not invited to this party, and I, um... My name is not on this invitation, so I cannot go. But you are the ambassador. I you, think you, we should we should go to the party together. Please. I know we we should go to the party together, but well, you. You know as well as I do, I cannot go when my name is not spoken. Yes. This is true. I will be Plus, lonely. I know, I know you will be lonely. But you can bring your friend with you. My friend, yes! Have you, you kind of him? look over to like... The table uh, that you had your invitation originally pulled from, you see your little lizard friend currently on the table, belly up. Just there. Belly up. Oh no, Oma! <laughs> he, is, he, is, he is dead. We must eat him now. You pick him up in your hands as he's just so limp in your hands and as you just get within like 
inches of your mouth, he pops up and immediately does like a little like quick like back up out of your mouth, like puts a foot on your tongue to be like, no, 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 no. And then kind of like dips and kind of dives into your hair. I guess I will save him for later, <laughs> my little snack. He does not come back out of that hair. <laughs> he's just like, he's in there. There it's, are a snack um, for later. constantly just flowers in my hair. I have no idea where they come from, and we take them out all the time. They just keep showing up. There's also insects that just sometimes crawl out there. It is well-maintained, and like it's combed, it's neat. It's clean. It's just sometimes there's constantly bugs and flowers. Part of being a druid. Yes, a hundred percent. And you, you do your best to keep it well, you know, groomed, well picked, well cleaned. You know, you know, you do your best to keep it there. It's just you feel like you wait. You just wake up, and there are some new little flowers and new little buds, new little like little like venus flytraps that will kind of come out and kind of just try and like catch little bugs around you and you just with the help of your moss bring she just kind of like helps clean you up and just keep it nice and tidy she doesn't ever really get rid of them all she just helps them look nice and pretty for you and she definitely doesn't get rid of any of your little like snacks and bugs in your hair those are she knows that those are there for a reason Stance. And so as you are kind of having this heartfelt discussion with Spring, it's kind of very quickly interrupted by the front door bursting wide open as Triumph uh, comes like full running into the house, like from the front door all the way to like the back door, like through the kitchen, through the living room, down the hall, like all of it, just full screaming at the top of his lungs. And not too far behind him is praise, just saying like, Vade, triumph, you know you're faster than me, slow down! <laughs> triumph, no, no running in the house. Triumph comes to, like, a full screeching heel stop as he, like, bends his body in, like, a, like, weird angle to try and just stop as quickly as he can and just listen to you like, I'm sorry, Vo. I didn't mean to. I was just trying to get away. Away? Away from what? Away from Praise's bug catching net. I'm always getting in that net and she doesn't like to release me. Praise. And you see that Praise indeed has a very large bug catching net behind her back. Like, not well hidden. Praise. What is that? She kind of like looks down and gets kind of like really bashful really quick, but like she then like quickly like pulls her head up to you with like an admiring gaze and she's like a butterfly net. Praise. You are the good girl. You use she the just... nets to catch the bugs, mm. and we eat the bugs. Yes, yes, we eat the bugs. They are very nutritious. Good girl. 
she just kind of goes back to chasing Triumph kind of down the hall, but not running this time because you specifically told them no running in the house. It's fast walking, chasing, as Praise is like, now come here, Triumph, you little buggy wuggy. And Triumph is just wa fast walking as quickly as he can, like, no, please, Praise, I don't want to. As they kind of like go off into the distance, you see Spring kind of like roll her eyes at the like idea of like these just little children being just children. Oma, they will do very well in the five wilds. I agree. I think, um, I think they are very, um, they have a very good chance together. And because they are twins, they will have the advantage of going together. I just hope, uh, that, uh, they continue to keep their minds together. Not too much fighting, yeah? Fighting is good sometimes. They need it to stay alive. But yes, they should get the along more. Yeah, you're right. Come, well, sit with me out on the porch for one more time. For you must start your walk. Yes, Omar. And she kind of takes you out to the front porch of your home that you've called your place to stay for your entire life. This home is more of a treehouse than it is a home. From the outside, it looks very simple, like a home getting caught up in a growing tree as the limbs kind of like are half in of the, the house and half in the porch, but also just growing kind of completely around it. You walk out into the porch and you just see the backside of these beautiful snow-capped mountains with just trees as far as you can see in your own little perfect little bubble and you sit you enjoy and you just take in all of this scenery with spring knowing that this will probably be your last evening for at least until you come back home after this party and from there the go ahead I'm sorry one more time I was just saying I am no good with the party. Oh, so you are. So you, you will do well with the party. Well, you uh, did well in the Feywilds, and you always did well when we went to parties together. And um, I think uh, I think it's probably going to be harder than you know, but not too hard. And it's nervous. There's always that paper in your pocket. Yes, Oma. She sits with you and enjoys a cup of like herbal tea. It's like true, like hand picked dandelions and hand picked like wheatgrass that's all put into a very 
very earthy tasting tea. And from here, we are going to go on to our next PC. Thursday's child, will you please introduce yourself? Click Clack is a four foot tall Kenku uh, with like dark black feathers and little beady black eyes. And uh, it's, it starts out like black feathers up at the top of his head, but as it descends down his body, they turn into like a royal blue and a bright green and like a little touch of white right at the end of his fingers as he takes on magpie colors. <laughs> uh, and you will never find him without a little cape with a hood pulled up over the top of his head. Absolutely. So you are walking, currently you are walking home. This is the day before the party, and you know this is the latest you can really leave if you want to get to that party on time. And if you really kind of want to push it, you can kind of go closer to the absolute end of the night. But right now, the evening is starting to come in. It's about maybe five, five o'clock in the evening for you. You're coming home with baskets full of berries and little herbs and little things that you have found in the forest to help sustain you and help keep your family. And it's a little bit of a walk home, but it's a walk you're used to. It's a walk that you know. And you are currently walking up to your house. You open your front door. It's quiet in here, like it usually is. It's just you and your son in here. There's really not much noise that happens. You walk in past a little entry table where the invitation just kind of sits opened, not really moved too much away from the original envelope. You put your little basket of fruits and everything kind of down on the table next to the invitation as they are already cleaned from the river you just kind of like quickly toss them in there with your basket and clean them up and i know that click clack would probably head to his son's room first am i correct absolutely you walk down a little hallway that's in this very, very small, it's almost a two bedroom. It's like one nice bedroom and then kind of a smaller little bedroom that your son kind of inhabits. It's just perfect for a little guy like him. Your son, he's only just a couple of years old and has just had the roughest time in this life just one thing after another and that just weighs on your mind every day as you go and you collect foods and you collect herbs for him to try and different things for him to take you 
open the door to your son's room. You see his bed kind of in the corner of the room with just mountains of blankets on top to help keep him warm. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Okay. Perception. Eighteen. Eighteen. So as you look at the bed, kind of looking for any kind of signs of, like, movement, and that's usually what you do first. You just try and kind of, like, brace yourself for the very slim possibility that he might not be awake under there. But as you're staring at this large collection of blankets keeping your son warm, and it's unmoving for a long time, suddenly you hear a... <sighs> as the blankets start to kind of like move a little bit, and you notice that there are signs of life under there, that your son is fine, he's just sleeping. Uh, click clack, that's not like a very long, low sigh of relief that today is not the day. Absolutely. And as you're like, breathe out this just sigh of like, okay, he's good, he's fine, he's breathing. As you're like listening to his breathing, you can hear that it is very rattled breathing, very shallow quicker breaths nothing too alarming yet this is what would be his kind of standard something that he can't do is he can't really take very deep breaths so he finds himself very tired coughing quite a bit and just endless amounts of mucus in this little boy's nose as you let out a little sigh of relief the blankets kind of stir underneath you see his little head kind of poke out from all the blankets. Not his body, but like that's still warm and in the blankets. His little head pops out and he looks at you and he's like, Dad? Beep. And he uh, click clack and like go over and like just like smooth the feathers down on the top of his head. Just in a little comforting motion he like closes his little eyes like his little eyelids just close up in such serene happiness as the feathers around his face just keep poofing out and just so much happy as you keep trying to smooth the feathers down on the top of his head they just keep sticking straight up and keep poofing back out especially that one right in the back of his head that just never wants to go down and you just is like kind of like chittering and like clacking his beak in happiness and like moving his head back and forth just like truly like loves you and is just loving this little bit of interaction time with you. Uh The clack 
like takes this little moment with his son. He's uh, trying very hard to not give into his feelings. Trying really hard to not think about like what his breathing means or the fact that like he can still feel him like shivering a little even though he's buried under all of the blankets in the house. And he thinks about the invitation sitting on that table. And he thinks about the fact that it's a ball. <laughs> and the fact that he and Click Clack don't really have much. He... Uh, and he's gonna look at his son, he's gonna like tilt his head a little bit, and he's just gonna say, Hungry? He quickly like nods his head up and down as you see the blankets start to like shift and move in all directions as he kind of doesn't move the blankets off of him and instead it shifts out from underneath them out the side of the bed and like keeps the whole mountain of blankets like undisturbed as he kind of like hops out of bed he's wearing his like cozy comforting and warming pajamas that are just this sky blue color that kind of complement the streaks of blue that are already kind of flowing through his feathers that resemble your own and he starts to get really super happy and he kind of like taps his feet as he dances picking them up a little extra high so it's like a little dance as he's walking towards the kitchen and he's like takes a second as he's going to be like hungry 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 as he's like walking towards the kitchen that's um, my boy! And he uh, kind of like crawls up into his chair at the table knowing that you usually placed your basket there every time you come home and just kind of like starts looking into expect the berries and stuff like that. And as he's looking around, he like gets really gleeful and lets out a little like scream of like excitement which is cut a little bit too short by a deep phlegmy cough as he finds his favorite berries in the mix uh <laughs> click clack goes over and like pats his back as he's coughing mm -hmm. to try to like help break some of it up Oh yeah, it for sure does. You kind of give him a pat on the back, a little bit kind of like a little bit of mucus and stuff just kind of comes out. He just like looks at his hand and then just like wipes it on his pants. <laughs> and he's like, these berries mine? Yes. And he like quickly goes... He, yeah, he quickly goes and he just grabs all of his favorite berries. He grabs about five or six bunches, which is pretty good for him on this day. Usually you can get about three good bunches down and he's like, no more. But this time, you like really made sure to grab a couple of extra bunches of his favorites to try and tempt him into eating more. And it did successfully work. He ate about five to six bunches of these berries. And as he kind of scarfs them down really quick and then wipes the kind of juice off of his beak, 
he looks over and catches a glimpse at the paper on the table. And he's like, what's this? Oof. Does Klaklak have the vocabulary to explain what this give me, is? Give me an insight check really quick. All right. Oh, hmm. that's an 11. 11. An 11 is enough to read your son in this moment that he isn't specifically asking what is on the paper, but he's asking what the physical item is. Uh, <laughs> Click back will like hold it up and like just turn it around. Paper. His eyes are just wide in amazement. And he's like, paper. Yes, paper. Paper. And he kind of like repeats paper back at you in the exact same cadence you gave it to him. I love my boy. I love my boy so much. He is just like beaming, like so happy to like learn a new word with you. Like, you know, he learns new things sometimes, but when he learns something new from his father, it's just like an immense amount of joy brought into this little boy. And as you're enjoying this cute little moment with Beep, you know that pretty soon around the corner, your neighbor, um, Jordan is your neighbor. She's about, maybe about a mile and a half away from your current settlement. Um, she is a half orc woman who you've met just a few times as you were kind of collecting things. She allows you to kind of forage on her uh, farm uh, and around her like little berry farms and stuff to grab things that you may need since you and Beep do not necessarily have large appetites. She has plenty enough to spare. You know that she's a mother to a couple of children of her own and you know that she is going to be coming here fairly soon to come and pick up Beep. Uh, <laughs> oh. But Clack didn't think it would be this hard. But he knows what he has to do. And the renewed appetite does give Click Clack a little more hope in the situation. And, uh, he just, like, pats Beep's head. And it, he's gonna, uh, like, take his hand and just hold it. And he takes your hand and just looks deeply into your eyes.
Um, in Jordan's voice, Click Clack repeats, Don't worry, I'll take good care of him. He kind of cocks his head with a slight remembrance. Kind of, you can see it flashing in front of his eyes. He knows this voice. He knows, he recognizes it. He recognizes it as sweet, as caring, as loving, as berries. He remembers this voice. And he kind of looks to you like kind of with a little bit of, like, a quizzical look in his eyes. Just kind of a, like, is she coming over? Beep. Stay with Jordan. Short time. Wait for me. He nods in understanding, knowing what it means when you leave for longer than a day. Because you've done it occasionally, very occasionally. You don't like to be away for longer than a day. And he kind of looks at you like knowing that it's gonna be it could be a while and he's like miss you miss you he buries his little head into your feathers on your chest and just like deeply hugs you. Clack hugs him back so hard. And as you guys are embracing and just sitting in this silence of knowing that it's just going to be a couple of days, you hear a small little rap on the door outside. Um, Click Click is just gonna, like, just place a little kiss on top of Beep's head. He's gonna, like, carefully help him down from his chair. And then he's gonna go answer the door. You answer the door to Jordan, the half-orc woman, with very faintly green skin and protruding tusks. Her auburn hair is pulled back into this very messy mom bun. It's like it was put up in 2.3 seconds. And she's got a apron on that's just got a little bit of, like, flour and a little bit of, like, stuff, like, cooking stuff just kind of smeared on it. It's very light, but it's just knowing that she's got some food at home if Beep happens to be hungry. She does have food at home. She meets your eyes with just the sweetest, kindest, most caring emotion 
like that you can possibly that you felt from another person in a while and she looks to you and she's like hi love are you ready is he all packed up Uh, Click Clack takes, like, a little bit of a steadying breath. And he nods his head. And he, like, searches his vocabulary for a second. I have a lot to say, but I won't. And then, like, lets her inside so she can help get, uh, beep in his things. She gives you kind of a knowing nod, understanding that not only are the emotions hard to process, but to find the words to explain them is even harder. She kind of comes in very steadily. She looks over to Beep and immediately just lights up like there's no worry on her face whatsoever. And she's like, Ah, Beep. Oh my gosh, look at you. You're getting so big and strong, just like your dad. Now, are you ready to come over for a little sleepover time? I've got a bunch of berry pies made just for you. And Beep kind of like smiles and looks a little happy at the thought of like berry something else. Like he doesn't quite know what berry pie is yet, but sure is gonna find out today but he's excited at this new word pie like what does it mean and he's kind of like happily and excitedly looking at jordan but also kind of looking back to you kind of to get in okay is it okay if i go with her uh beep just like nods and like <laughs> <Beep>. <laughs> So focused on my boy. Uh, click, click, nods at his son. Uh, he just wants to make sure that Beep gets settled before he starts worrying about when he needs to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you are welcome to walk with Beep and Jordan to her location. It is on the way down the road towards your destination. So you could always walk with Jordan and Beep to her farm. And then from there, say your last goodbyes before heading off to Lenloch. Uh, Click clack is going to piggyback carry Beep to Jordan's house. Beep, as he's getting piggybacked ride, you can tell, and you can just kind of feel his feathers kind of fluff up as he got has the wind kind of like blowing through his feathers. He's not up super high because Click Clack isn't very tall himself. But just being taller than he is normally, he's just got this sense of a flightless bird flying. And it's just this moment of 
peace on his face. Like, there is no sickness. Like, there is no worries. Like, he's not going to a sleepover. He's just with his dad. In the sky. Ugh, Click Clack doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to leave his boy. I know that Click Clack in this moment is... wants to take him with him or just not go at all. But you know that you're going to have to be spending at least a day out in the woods uncovered for at least one night. And it's not necessarily safe for someone who's already so fragile as it is. And you know that there is a high reward for going to this party. Uh, when they get to Jordan's house, uh, click clacks his feet down, kisses his head again, gives him another big hug. He, as you're hugging him, and you're holding him close, he just, once again, quietly, miss you. Miss you, beep. And then he quickly becomes a child again as he hears the six children of Jordan coming and running out all to kind of greet him and kind of like admire his beautiful feathers and his cool blue pajamas and they're like oh my gosh peep you're here we can finally play let's go play we've got some pie we've got the fort all set up let's go hang out and be like just so excited you can tell that there is like genuine excitement in his eyes and as beep starts to kind of get carried away by this like little group of children, Jordan shouts off and is like, now not too hard with him. Go easy. And you see one of the older children kind of look back and give like a little nod. It's one of the older daughters. She's about 15-ish. So she's being, she's kind of keeping a watchful eye on all of the younger siblings and Beep in this moment as they kind of soft play with Beep. And you know deep, deep down in your heart that he's safe here. Uh, <laughs> the click clack lingers just a moment, like seeing Beep get carted off with like his friends. He knows that Beep is going to be safe while he's gone. He's going to turn to Jordan and uh, <laughs> he's going to take like a couple. Um, 
like just little white flowers that he found while foraging and like just kind of press them in her hands. Thank you. Anytime, click clack. And he she kind of like takes the flowers and puts them in a little front pocket on her blouse, kind of showing them proudly as a little reminder for Beep to just kind of like see you in her. Um, and with, no, go ahead. He's gonna. He's just gonna nod. Uh. <laughs> and Jordan um, reaches out slowly, but offers you a hug. Uh, I definitely wasn't expecting that. And, um, he's gonna, like, just slowly kind of hug her back. You can feel the warmth radiating off of this woman. You can feel the love, you can feel the compassion, you can feel the empathy. You can feel how much she loves for her children. And just that simple little hug, it helps just a little bit of your worries go away. At least knowing that you may be gone for just a short amount of time, but even so, Beep is safe and Beep is cared for. And he has all the berries he could possibly eat. Clickback knows that if he doesn't leave now, he won't. So he breaks away from the hug. Uh, he's going to nod at Jordan once again. He's going to look at his invitation once more. And he's going to turn. And he's going to start making his way. You nod to Jordan. She bids you farewell and safe travels. As you turn your back towards what has brought you the most amount of comfort in years and walk towards uncertainty but also towards a possible solution and with that we're going to move on to our next pc friday's child will you please introduce yourself friday's child is a um, woman of a certain age, Seder, who has long red hair that she wears in spirals. Um, in it are decorated with jewels intermingled between the strands. Um, but the rest of her is modest. The only thing that she wears is a wedding band on her left hand. Um... Her fingers are calloused, 
but manicured and soft. She is holding um, a scroll in her hands and she's reviewing it. And her name is uh, Queen Melanoe Valiance of Sunmore. My queen, today is the day of the party. And usually people who are going to be attending parties, especially those who identify with the femininity of getting ready, usually would allow themselves a couple of hours to get ready. Unfortunately, that's not 100% how it goes down. You find yourself in the morning in a large room that has been fitted as a playroom for you and your children. You are here with almost all of your children. You're here <laughs> with your oldest daughter, Aphrodite, Minerva, Frigga, Trivia, Proserpina, Lucia, Arceus, and Pluto. They are all running around just <laughs> literally wild, noble children with not a care or a duty to their name in the world, just wreaking absolute havoc on this playroom. Like, full fucking him. <laughs> like, kids are screaming. The only child not screaming right now is your oldest because she's doing her best to keep a hushed tone as she tries to quiet your siblings and your youngest Pluto who is happily sitting in your arms Aphrodite will you please 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 calm Trivia down we the party is in less than a few hours now Please help 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 me out, please. Give me a persuasion check. This is a tired. <laughs> please work with me. I'm tired. <laughs> Perception. Okay. A persuasion. Oh, persuasion. Okay. Give me one moment. No problem. Uh, one moment, okay? Sorry. No problem. The dice are wearing on my patience tonight. So she's standing there trying to plea with her children. <laughs> grasping for any shred of uh, empathy, and she's got a 17 persuasion. Amazing. 17 persuasion. So you, mm -hmm. with the maternal energy of a mom who's just seen it all, truly, at <laughs> this point, you just take command over the room as you're just like, children, please shut 
the hell up and listen to me for once. And they all kind of like stop for a second in their tracks, all of them, and just kind of like, they haven't really stopped really what they're doing. It's more of like a pause in the middle of an action. So you see kids with like toys over their heads. You see kids with like, like little like soft, like padded sticks that they use to like whack each other with. The one of them is like kind of like <laughs> in motion and just stops. You see a train car that has a little arcanic ruin symbols all down the different trains. Kind of as it's choo-chooing along the floor, it's the only thing currently moving in this room as you've called for a full halt. As all your kids just halt to kind of like pay attention to what you have to say. I shift uh, baby Pluto in my arms, and I'm casting all of my children a disapproving stare. Children, please. This is the one night I, I ask of you to behave yourselves. How about I make you a deal? And she's going to kind of like sigh and sit down on the rocking. I'm assuming they there's a chair that like she can sit down on. around you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They all kind of like gather in front like it's story time in kindergarten. How about once all of this is over, we go on an adventure? All of us. Uh, Aphrodite, he kind of like looks at you in like disbelief. Like you've mentioned to your children before, especially the older ones, like, oh, you know, we'll go on an adventure. Um, uh, it's cool, you know, like, we'll go on one eventually, but it's kind of like a false promise. It's almost like a, a, a dad saying, oh, we're going to Disneyland this summer, and it never really happens, because you're the royal family. How are you going to leave Lenloch and go on an adventure? Um, so you, Aphrodite kind of looks at you, and is like, mother, an adventure? Really? You keep saying we're going to have an adventure, but it's never going to happen. Oh, what? You don't trust your brother? Of course I oh, trust what? my mother. Of course I trust you. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> I just would love to go on an actual adventure instead of going down to the to the local bazaar and getting ourselves a nice little trinket. Oh, we'll have a grand adventure. All of us. And, uh, Noah smiles sadly. Because she doesn't want to deceive her children. She wants to provide what she's telling them. But she goes, How about I take you all to the edge of the castle? And we can have a picnic there. You know... You see... You see you're at the side, like, thought of, like, a little picnic, of, like, going out as, like, a big family, so close to the wall. It excites your younger children. Um, and you can see them starting to kind of like buzz with excitement and you know that like they're kind of on the precipice of like possibly going wild again. You're just like one more really good statement from like setting them off again. But Aphrodite kind of looks at you like kind of knowing like, oh yes, of course, adventure, adventure to the wall, not outside the wall. And she says this kind of like with her gaze, not necessarily out loud. 
Do, does Noe pick up on this? Give me an insight check. Oh, that's a three. A three? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go ahead and make a little deception check for her. <laughs> so, with a natural three, meeting your exact role, you are able to just pick up the hint of disappointment at the thought that the adventure is not quite past the wall. Uh, Noe, I think, would see almost a lot of herself and her daughter's need for adventure. And she picks up on it, although subtle, and her smile grows sadder. She goes, Oh, my darling, we don't need... We don't need to venture outside the wall for to have a to have adventure in our lives. And um she reaches out and she smooths her hair back, tucks it behind her ear. We can make our own. You and I. Let she me uh, we... kind of presses her cheek into your hand as you kind of caress her face. She's like, I know, Mom. I know. I know one day we'll, we'll go. We'll go do something. And you will be the greatest like, adventurer I'll ever see. She kind of beams up. And as you're, like, looking at her and watching your interactions, she really is like a spitting image of you. She's got bright red hair and just like an attitude of that you almost wish you kept through your marriage. An attitude of if I don't like something, I'll say something. And she kind of like starts to kind of like look down at the group of kids as they start to kind of like rile up and start to kind of like get a little bit too crazy it's kind of like a nuclear fission about to like explode like one kid pushed another kid a little too hard and they're pushing back a little too much and it just kind of like suddenly erupts like around you it's like all of a sudden it just like implodes and all these kids are like wrestling with each other and going and grabbing boom whackers and trying to hit each other and as the chaos is just starting to kind of break out pluto with his dark auburn hair just kind of like laying kind of contently is starting to fuss up just a little bit because your kids are getting a little too rowdy a little too close to the baby and just as things are starting to kind of break out, you hear the door open. No knock, it just opens. She clutches Pluto to her chest and she immediately zeroes in on the door and stands from her chair. Children. And then she cuts her gaze to whoever entered. Entering into the door, standing on four legs at about seven feet tall, is General Felix McCuster. 
comes in long antlers that point up to the sky. This is the royal general, the right hand of the king, and more accurately, the right hand of the queen, as it seems like a lot of the what would be normally appointed as kingly duties have fallen to you and the general, as the king is usually within his own mind most of the days. You walk, you see as he kind of just boldly kind of struts into the room, all of the children know who he is and immediately stop the ruckus as he enters in. He has a stone-cold, like, stoic look on his face. The eyes of somebody who is, like, tired but vigilant. And he has a white button-up on, but everything else is a dark brown centaur, like, fur on his lower body. Uh, and the dark brown hair to match on his humanoid top half. And he enters in, and he's like, All right, children, young princes, young princesses, time for you to head to your rooms. Your servants and your handmaidens will help you get dressed for the evening. You watch as the kids, without fighting, truly, they just kind of get up. And some of the older ones start kind of putting the toys, a couple of the toys away, just so that they're not, like, stepping them on them and stuff like that. Uh, as they all kind of, like, as they leave, they kind of, like, look at you and be like, I'll see you later, mother. Like, I love you. Like, I'll see you soon. Like, oh, let's have a good party. Your wildest of the bunch, Arsis, is just like, he's like five years old, is like fully blasts past you in a full sprint out the door. And he's like, bye, mom! And just runs <laughs> to, his, to his room. A long sigh. Bye, my child. And you... Uh, are left in this room with Felix, General McCuster, and Pluto, your young son. He walks up to you, and he's like, My queen, would you like me to take the young prince for now? General. And she looks at him with a familiar gaze as she cradles the back of her child's head before holding the baby over to him. He goes, yeah, I still don't know how you do that. You see that as Pluto gets transferred into Felix's arms, he very tenderly carries him by like the back of the neck and underneath the butt, just making sure he's fully supported. And like leans him up against his chest and he's like, uh... Babies are simple, my queen. They just need a few things to keep them happy. Let me let me take him from you so that you may get ready for the evening. And you? Will you be getting ready this evening as well? Of course, but it's just a coat over this top, so 
doesn't take me but a minute to get ready. It's all in the accessories and how you wear them, not the outfit itself. And she smiles and she is relieved <laughs> to have her uh, a moment of peace after the evening that just occurred. And she smooths her hands down her dress and she nods to him. <laughs> have people started arriving yet? Not yet, my queen, but I'm sure they will soon. Oh, wonderful. You know, General, as so many times as I've done these things... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No matter how many things, things that there are, I never... Still not quite used to them. No... No, you're never quite used to being shown off in public around a man who can't seem to discern you from another. But it is wrong for me to speak ill of the king. Well, tonight isn't about me. It's about our kingdom. In the... It's about the children not running around and getting themselves into trouble for an evening. Yes? Of course, my lady. I will be watching and keeping a close eye on the kids, especially that young boy of yours. He's truly something else. No way. Speaking of smiles. Arts, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sure is a little firecracker, isn't he? Isn't that one? I'm yeah. proud of him. He's got your spirit. I hope it's stronger than that. And she smiles sadly. And she <laughs> she reaches out and her fingertips like ghost over his arm and she withdraws her hand. She goes, thank you, General. You've been a great help this evening. Of course, my lady. I will return Pluto to you once you are ready for the evening. And he bows very, like, lower than what you are usually uh, given by, like, other guards or generals. Just a little bit lower, a little bit more respectful as he turns with Pluto in one hand and his hand on his long sword at his side with the puka shells attached to the hilt as he turns and walks out. Her eyes linger on his back for a moment and she breathes in the silence, in and out. <sighs> and she knows she must get ready for this shindig. Absolutely. And as Felix leaves you, uh, he is immediately replaced by your three handmaidens who are assigned specifically for you. Your handmaidens, Una, Marta, and Ethrig. They uh, quickly come in and they are just like very 
doting on you, very praising, like helping you fix your hair and get you into your ball gown and prepare you for the evening. And as we kind of step away from this moment here before the party, we're going to introduce Saturday's child. Yellow, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so Saturday's child is a Goliath. They stand stretching about nine and a half feet tall. And looking at this creature, you get the distinct feeling that while they do not neatly fit into the genders of man or woman, you'd suspect their preferred pronouns are she and they. This creature's name is Encina Virgil. Encina is, by all means, pretty jacked, all things considered. <laughs> they have broad shoulders, toned arms, and calves, and a fair bit of pudge in the tummy area, which I think is a, is a chef's kiss. Um... They sport long blonde hair that reaches just above their behind, that flows freely amidst their shoulders. They have a side shave on the right side of their head, and their bangs are parted off to the left and hang just above their eyes, which are an emerald green color. Their ears are slightly tipped, and across their face, a smattering of white freckles dances over their cheeks and the bridge of their nose. She has piercings both above her visible eyebrow and in her ears. There's also black markings indicative of her species. Um, Encina, and of course, uh, no sword for hire would be complete without an outfit. Well, maybe some, but not this one. Not right now. <laughs> um, Encina wears a black padded leather jacket, a red crop top with a v-neck, a pair of black pants with many pockets, and a pair of black knee-high boots. And that's Saturday's Child. Amazing. So, Encina, you are walking around about three days until the party, but at this point, you currently don't have an invitation to the party. You don't necessarily really even know about the party just yet. You are walking around a little town that is just kind of like a hodgepodge of buildings. And you know these towns very well as you are in and out of smaller towns to just try and make a name for yourself where you're at right now, but not be out wide in the open in large cities. So you're walking through this little town and you spot a familiar face. It is your dwarven friend, Kordrak. He notices you fairly immediately and starts kind of like jumping up and down to try and get your attention. He's a short little guy, about three foot five, like really like, like, like it's not red hair, but it's more strawberry blonde than it is dark red. And it goes all the way down into his long beard which is braided in two braids that goes all the way down to his table he wears like really light clothes like no like big armor pieces or anything crazy he's got a little cloak on his back uh but he is incredibly quick as he comes up to you and he's like encina 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 it's good to see you i've got news for you well, hi there, Jack-Jack. What's going on? What's the news? You seem rather excited. 
I am excited. I've got so much to tell you. He kind of like puts a hand on your, you know, honestly, I was going to say shoulder, but that's really not possible. So it's kind of like <laughs> your knee pit, kind of like maybe like lower thigh as he's like trying to like lead you into an alley. Um, and give me, uh, no, you know, no insight check needed. You know this guy enough. Like, he's not leading you into an alley to, like, stab you or anything. He's just leading you into an alley for privacy. Okay. Understandable. And Sina will follow him since she knows him well enough. And uh, you follow him into just kind of, like, a darker little, like, corner kind of out of, like, the main town road's eye. And he's like, I got a job for you. Well, let's hear it. Ain't, ain't never been a time I turned down a job before. What's going on? Well, I'm a little reluctant to give you this job because I wish I had this job. But I can't go because I, uh, I look like shit. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this job well enough to score as big as I think you can. And he kind of looks from side to side a little bit. And then he pulls an invitation out of his cloak pocket, and he hands it over to you. Uh, and Cena's gonna take the invitation um, and read it and see what it says. You open it up, and it says, We cordially invite you to Valiant's Peak for the unveiling of the Sacred Seven. This is the invitation that uh, is it's giving you access to go to the King's Castle in Lenloch. Like, this party is happening at the King's Castle in Lenloch. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think Insanda takes a second and looks at the, the letter and then looks at um, Torjak and is like, well, damn, I mean, where did you get this? Was this sent to you? I don't see no name Hi. on it. Yeah, there's no name. It doesn't matter who it's from. But the thing is, is we, well, not me, you, you gotta get in there because you and I, we both know what kind of shit is inside this king's castle. He's got loads of magic items and they're just there. The man is so drunk. He's like, he's not gonna notice you taking anything. Like, I think this could be one of our biggest scores yet. Well, you know, and you can see the gears in Encina's brain are kind of ticking and turning. And um, Encina's not quite as far gone as uh, Torjack is and is kind of just running through schematics and like what the palace might look like and how her height and her very presence alone affects her being able to do this job. And she goes, well... I mean, I guess I could. It's not. It wouldn't be the first time I've stolen from a place, but I don't know. Don't you think I'm gonna stick out a little bit, Jack? Jack. I mean, look at me. I'm not exactly. I don't exactly, you know, rustle through the crowds like a mouse. I kind of just. I'm here. You can't help but see me. Yeah, you are definitely a redwood tree in a world of bonsai trees. But the thing is, is I think that you're going to be fine. Because they 
I invite people from all over the island, and I know that they invite the stone giants that are up in the mountains. So there's at least gonna be some giants there, so you're not gonna, like, fully stick out, but it, you can at least kind of blend in in that regard. Well, I guess that do change a thing or two. Um, Plus, and it seems it's going to take a set. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that he says, and you also know that the king has his royal vivarium. It's where he keeps all his fancy little plants and all his little doodads and things that need growing and stuff, but in there is the plant. He does the not plant. further explain. He does not further explain. Cena kind of narrows her eyes at him, like quirks her eyebrows, and she's like, alright, um, that's interesting. Can you are you going to tell me what the plant looks like? Because you ain't going to tell me what it does. Well, no. now that you've asked, the plant, <laughs> the plant. So it's this. Okay, so this is going to sound like I'm lying, but I promise I'm not. There's this plant that's called Nona's Grace. And there's only one of them in the entire island. And it said that it's has like magical properties to the plant that can help like like heal people or like help people become better in certain ways and stuff but the king keeps it under like super close guard and stuff but during this party all his guards are not gonna be watching a fucking plant they're gonna be out drinking so I'm thinking if you could like get like i don't know like a petal or like a stamen or something we could sell that for like so much gold yeah i bet we could you know this just kind of fucking pisses me off about them noble folk is that they got all this fucking power and there's all these people out here that just are fucking down on their luck Sick dying, and he's got this fucking plant just locked up, and he's not using it. Fuck that shit. I'm taking the whole damn plant, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna help some folks out. We can sell one one leaf of it, but the rest of it's going to fucking somewhere else, that, so people can use it. Fuck this bitch. Hell yeah, that's my fucking friend right there. Low five, and he like puts his hand up as far as it can fucking reach, <laughs> which is at about maybe four foot tall. It's about half your yes. size. Yeah, and Cena, like, very gently, because her palm is also probably the size of his head, um, and she oh, very gently that. puts her hand out so that he can, like, and it's just this tiny little hand that just lands in the center of her palm. It's like when you're, like, when you're, like, touching a baby's hand, that's what it's like. <laughs> oh, 100%. It's like the, like, you hear the little, like, clap, but it's like, it's like nothing. It's like... So insignificant. And he's like, alright, well, I'm glad you're on board. We're gonna make a lot of money. I promise you, we'll split it 50-50 this time. Because you're doing most of the work, and I brought the invitation, so I still feel like that's worth 50%. So, <laughs> the party's in three days. 
It's gonna take about two days to get to Lunlock, so that means we have the rest of the night to drink. Are you down? Jack, Jack, you know I don't drink, but I'll have a lemonade. That's fine. Ah, that's right. You're one of them lemonade kids. All right, let's go. Jack, and Jack, he listen. just like <laughs> <laughs> just before Jack, Jack, Jack takes off. Tina is like yelling after him. She's like, the last time you got so damn wasted, you got all your fucking savings taken away from you. And who had to pick up the slack? Me. Jack, Jack, get your fucking ass over here. And she like runs after him. He's like trying his best to like outpace you. There's no way in fucking hell that this three foot five dwarf can outpace no. an eight foot giant. Like, there's no way in, in no world. So he's just like, look, I promise I got my money back. I just stole it back. I have the money. I can pay this time. I can pay. You, you, you got your money back because I got it back for you, you little shit. You dang gum liar. Please. You hear him, like, cackle as he, like, runs away. It's one of them, it's like a deep, unhindered cackle that just, like, <laughs> comes from the belly. Like, no holds back on this cackle as he's, like, it's like a wild child running naked through the streets. Because I'm like, I'm free! Like, but he's fully clothed. But he runs off, and as you very quickly catch up to... Uh, to him, we are going to head back to Lenloch Castle. Here, it is about two hours from the party. All of the PCs that have already been previously introduced start to kind of walk up the steps into Lenloch and into the Grand Hall where this party is taking place. And... Just a couple hours before, the two oldest princes are nowhere really to be found. And we kind of go a little bit deeper into the castle and come across Sunchild. Will you please describe your character? Sure. Um, Freya Valiant, the... <clears throat> second oldest child of King Eros and Queen Melanoi is about seven feet, nine inches tall. He is a satyr with black and white speckled fur goat legs, um, bright red curly hair that surrounds the black horns that curl the front of his um, head and bright violet eyes with such an intense joy in the pupils and iris. He smiles, though being near his brother is not his favorite. And he wishes he could step away and sneak away as he kind of doesn't want to be here right now. Yeah, you are... So you're currently in your room. Your brother is not here at the moment. He is finishing up getting ready in his own room. At, at least you assume so. Hmm. As you are here, donning 
or at least trying your best to figure out your outfit, or at least one of the outfits, the first one you're going to wear out, and which one is going to be the right one for the right time. You're just kind of putting the last kind of like finishing touches on everything. Your room is just like decorated with like little like arcanic stars that kind of like dot your ceiling and speckle in light. You have a little like swirling bit of like it's like an aroma of like leaves and the wind and the salt from the sea nearby kind of just whirling around your ceiling kind of offering fresh air in here without the need of like a window being open so you're in here it's comfortable you're alone currently getting ready for the day or at least for this party another one of your father's parties for these people that have never ever been like have never been here before like these these heroes are talked about they've been talked about like you know that there was a war a long time ago and there was no heroes then there you're kind of thinking this might just be bullshit just like an excuse for another one of your father's parties but nonetheless, you still want to look your best. And as you're starting to kind of like finish up here, you hear one knock on your door. Amen. You see your door swing open, like slowly, like kind of creaking as it just way too slowly continues to swing out just and your brother standing in the door frame like a fucking idiot not coming in when the door opens but just standing there kind of watching the door swing out and then he kind of looks at you You almost ready to get party? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, the door squeaked, which was kind of stupid. You got an issue? Are you done playing dress up yet? Uh, yes. Okay. Do well, you need something? No, I don't fucking need anything. But Dad does. What now? He just, uh, he wanted me to make sure that you were ready for the party on time. Because... I'm know, ready. Well, good. At least you're not going to be late this fucking time let's go and he just starts to like walk off towards like just away like out of the door frame um as he walks off i kind of like uh wave my fingers slowly and i go viter come on you um, from underneath your bed from the dark blue sheets kind of drape over your bed uh the just a small, little, long, white weasel comes snaking out 
with a little tuft of like just a bright pink just kind of like at the hawk of the ferret mm-hmm. it has like really like roughly kind of fur as it just fully like freaks out after it gets out from the bed because it was in a like dark area and mm-hmm. is now suddenly in the light so this ferret is absolutely like engaged like it's in play mode it just starts like popping around like on two feet it's just starts kind of like opening its mouth at you and kind of like backing up and kind of moving its butt all over the place like hopping like a little itty bitty like cat that's freaking out but just this long weaselly bottle body uh freya kneels down and goes peter Grab the cushion. Go ahead. Um, He kind of like stops freaking out for a second and then looks over and goes and grabs that for you. Um, Uh, I I take the the like little like kind of like whoopee cushion-esque thing out of uh, his mouth and like slip it into um, like... In, like kind of into like my vest pocket to hide it um and i pick up Vader and walk after my brother but um kind of try to not be noticed and sneak away into the gala room where the table is Uh, the, yeah, so you, uh, start to kind of walk past what would be directly behind where your family would be sitting for the gala. There is a small red curtain that kind of separates (laughs) the hallway of your home from the gala. It hosts parties, that hosts trials and things. And as you're kind of like walking past, you hear the chatter and the music that's just kind of playing. It's very light chatter at the moment. You can kind of tell that it's getting a little louder and louder, meaning guests are starting to flood in. And you kind of take a quick second to like sneak off and look and see. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Yeah, okay. Uh, that is a 17. A 17. With a 17, you look out. There are probably a good hundred people out there at the moment. And there are people that are starting to kind of slowly kind of like flood in. It's definitely one of the larger parties that your king, that your father has had and held but it's definitely not his largest by far but it's definitely a fairly large event this must mean something important and as you're looking out into the gala room your eyes catch to the middle of the room itself where a large moss-covered stone protrudes from the ground at a angle that is just slightly off from it being perfectly upright There is moss that creeps down 
from the stone onto the ground, where the ground itself seems to be, like, broken from where this piece shot up from. The stone itself, as you know, has always been here in Lenloch. This mm -hmm. is the... This is the ancient formation, as you know it. But something has been happening over the course of this past week, you've noticed. It's been a week's time, and since that, since that day a week ago, the ancient formation has started to crack. The cracks glow an iridescent blue color as the runes that are on the great formation that read out the prophecy poem start to glow as well. And you've started to kind of notice this over this past week. And as it gets, we're getting closer and closer to the party, it's just gotten brighter and brighter. The cracks have gotten deeper and deeper. And now the day of each, uh, now the day of this party, you notice that the cracks are deep and that it is starting to almost crumble and fall apart. And the chandelier that hangs above it is is glowing that same blue color as the Great Formation as well. Interesting. Uh, I gotta find my brother's seat, even though that is very interesting. Um, you look through and you immediately recognize that your brother's seat is going to be to the immediate right of your father. Uh, your father's seat is the one that is directly in the middle because your father is self-centered as he always is. He's got to mm -hmm. be right in the middle. Your brother is just off to the left and your mother's is off to the... But Genesis is off to the right. Your mother's is off to the left-hand side. I take out the whoopee cushion, I blow it up, and I settle it so that it's under the cushion on his seat, so that when he sits down, it goes off. And I will go and go to find him and find, I guess, my father, as that's where he was leading me. Fantastic. So before we slip away from this, I'm just going to need a quick stealth check check with advantage because there's a party going on so it's pretty easy to sneak this in uh even with the advantage i'm going to take a blood die on this Ooh, that's great this is our first blood dice of the campaign that is a 30 a 30. Jesus I got an, Christ. I got an 18 on the die plus 8 with a 4 on the blood die. Hallelujah. See, this is why blood dice is fantastic. With a 30, it is very easy for you to very quietly fill this whoopee cushion and place it underneath the cushion on your brother's seat. As you quickly do that and walk back over to meet your father, you see that your father is standing, well, 
kind of standing. He's a little tilted off to one side. Um, give me an insight check. Uh, that is uh, a nat one. I do not give a fuck about my father. Yeah, you don't give two shits about your dad to the point where, like, you know, he's standing the way he always stands. So, like, you don't give two shits about him. But you see he's standing, he's dressed up, you know, and alongside your father is also the rest of your family. Um, as he's like, all right, it's time for us to... Make our parents. Let's go. And he just kind of like moves his head over to the side. And uh, you, um, along with Queen, uh, the Queen and all of the children kind of follow along as you stand outside of the curtains, waiting to be announced like you do at every party. The rest of the party all hears as they are in the gala room for this party everyone please pay attention all rise all cheer for the king eros valiance and his family and there's just like applause around and everybody's just kind of like cheering because they see this king as like a uh a, he's a good king but he's not necessarily people involved, but the people of Sunmor are very happy, so there's really no reason for him not to be seen as a good king. Um, and most of the laws and things that get passed under his rule are all great laws, so there's really nothing too crazy. So it's a lot of applause, a lot of happiness, as uh, they all take their seats at the same time. And as Janice goes to sit down in his seat, as the applause is starting to die out, everybody in the entire hall just hears <laughs> And Janice looks like like he's a little afraid that this genuinely came from him. But like he is aware that it came from around him, so he is like startled and alert at the point. But very quickly just gazes past his mother at you, Freya, and just looks like a full fucking death glare at you. Like, there's no one else this would have fucking been but you. So he just just death glare, but can't do anything in the moment because he's out in front of I, everybody. I feign, like, surprise, like, me? I would never... As I sit down. Give me a performance check. Alright. That is a 18. Yeah, so the rest of the party uh, and the rest of the PCs, you all watch this unfold as the crowned prince Janice, like, royally soils himself in front of everybody. And then death glares at Freya, who is uh, somebody who is uh, probably his brother. And Freya just looks like, kind of like shocked at the like, the accusation, at the absolute audacity of Janice to accuse him. And 
everybody at this point you are all kind of enjoying the facilities and just beautiful decorations all around the great formation is been decorated with little flower petals around the base there is a huge table like two or three tables put together of just food and beverages and little snacks and stuff let's go one at a time really quick and just let me know what you feel like your character would be doing now that the party seems to be in full swing let's start with r Hello, uh, R <laughs> is going to be hanging out around the food table, but right now he's eyeing for anything that could be seen as valuable on, let's say, the upper class. <laughs> oh, 100%. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Yes. Let's see if we can see the Chinese. Show me the we Chinese. We see the Chinese. Okay, here we go. <laughs> That's a 21. <laughs> A 21. Oh, this, this party is full of rich people. Absolutely able to sneak and grab some little satchels that are just, just dangling from their, like, sides. Just asking to be taken. Honestly, they're, they're begging me. I, I have to do it. <laughs> so I would like to try and slide a hand. Go for it. Slide a hand it, and we'll do yeah. just one check for the, th I'm going to say, three different satchels you find. Okay. Here we go. That's a 21 again, differently, but it's a 21. <laughs> Fantastic. We got there differently, but the same. So with the 21, you are able to, like, with a, like, little wine glass in your hand, just making your way through the crowd, like, bantering and talking at people, like, oh, isn't this so wonderful? This is a fantastic party. I love this so much. Just complimenting the people as you're starting to kind of like, oh, I love your outfit. Everything is so wonderful. What are you eating? What are you drinking? And as you're kind of distracting them, you just kind of swipe that kind of and put that in your pocket. And it is successful on all three of your turns. All three of these little people you manage to just immediately win over, swoon over, and just take their little packets of gold away from them. Uh, all in all, you got uh, 60 gold pieces from all three of those pouches. For me? Thank you. <laughs> see. For me. And as you're kind of like moving through and stealing from the rich uh, to give to yourself, uh, what is Tuesday's child, Oriana, doing? You are walking in with your parents, probably at your side, for pretty much the entirety of the night. Like, you walk to the food table, they walk to the food table. You walk over to the ancient formation, they walk over to the ancient formation. I think Oriana is looking for someone to interrupt her parents' ever-watchful face. I think she is looking for someone that will either pull them away from her or someone that they'll approve of enough to let her have a moment to breathe um oriana is very aware of um how they are 
So she made sure to leave all of her toys, as they like to call them, at home. Mm -hmm. And she feels very... I guess vulnerable because of that. So mm -hmm. she becomes very stiff. She looks very, you know, like almost like a doll, like the perfectly dressed, how you'd expect a lady as she carries that title to look. So I think she's looking around for maybe an unfamiliar face to strike up a conversation with, or maybe someone her parents can't easily get out of conversation with to save her even just for a moment. 100%. Go ahead and give me a investigation check. Okay. Let's see here. Because you're looking for something specific. You're looking for people to bail you out right now. Yes. And with a... If I can read... 12. It's 12. So you kind of look around. You are somewhat familiar with the royal family, the Valiant family. You don't necessarily have a, like, full connection or a relationship specifically to any of these people, but you've crossed paths and you know... Probably their names, or at least, like, pretty close to their names, you know what I mean? Um, yes. So you would recognize probably, like, the Crown Prince Janus, um, as well as his younger brother Freya. You would recognize the King Eros, just because your father and him are very close, as well as the Queen Melano. She's, like, just as beautiful and as graceful as ever. Uh, just uh, truly a, like, staple of, like, hold it down for the family. Um, the younger kids, maybe not so much. You would recognize as an older kid, you're kind of somebody who is like, I know your names, but I don't necessarily associate with younger children at the moment. Um... <clears throat> But you see in the crowd not only the Valiant family that you feel like you might be able to get away with talking, possibly by distracting your parents with the king. You also see, standing around the ancient formation, a pink-furred furbold who has a long blue starry coat over him. There are little, like, of like a dark blue patches in his fur that kind of separate this pink up a little bit and you can see him kind of like muttering a little bit to himself as he's kind of like walking around in circles around the ancient formation and kind of like looking up and down between the rock and the crystal chandelier above them. As much as it's going to be to her parents' dismay, I think Oriana is going to venture towards the ancient uh, formation and see if she can get the attention of the uh, Fearbolg in question. Um, because she herself is quite interested. She's known the prophecy for years. She's 
known the stories of it. And I think even part of her when she was younger, even dreamed to know what it would be like to go on an adventure such as that. She heard stories of her parents' own ventures um, before the wars. And part of her always hoped that she too would get that experience. But instead, she has lived her life through the imagination, the her, she creates herself. She has lived in her own created world and tends to dream of it, but it is continuously taken away from her. So in a night where all eyes are on that formation, it only seems right and becoming of her as a lady to know the situation at hand so she can speak clearly and truly of it. So she makes her way over to the Fearbolg and smiles and doesn't want to quite interrupt him, but um, does get close enough and say, Pardon me, uh, may I have a moment of your time, sir? Uh, why, yes, of course, please. Uh, I'm always happy to talk. Uh, what is your name? My name is Lady Oriana Starweaver of our oh. It's nice to meet you. And what is yours? Oh, my name is Extralia. It is great to meet you. However, we've met before and they kind of like grab your cheeks a little bit. And I was like, you were very, very... <laughs> small the last time you were here but i remember you you've gotten very tall i think it's the shoes but yes i uh i do remember you i remember your coat i always loved it the stars i've always been more of a sun girl myself but i used to love seeing your coat and being reminded of the great wide that is just above us so fascinating. Yes. I always love to look to the stars for answers. I can see that behind those eyes is a rather large brain. Would you um would you mind helping me just kind of finish writing down these last ruins on this ancient formation before it completely shatters in front of me? It would be an absolute honor. And they, they just kind of like shove like loose papers at you and a like long quill feather to like start writing with. And they're like, good, I've got about three quarters of them written down, but I think I've got about three of them wrong. So maybe, and they, you start kind of like comparing notes with Exralia and uh, you get the sense that this is a deeply kooky person but they are very very intelligent this person uh as you start to kind of have a little bit more conversation with them you start to kind of remember your parents words reminding you that this is extralia this is the king's soothsayer he is a personal divination wizard essentially assigned to the king to kind of help see the future and see all the possibilities of the future and help guide him in a way. As you kind of 
sit back and kind of like help this bumbling old fool, this brilliant bumbling old fool, finish the writing down all of the little like runic notes and things that are on the ancient formation. Wednesday, whoa, where are we going to be? This is a very um, loud party. Yes. Uh, Woe's probably closer to the off sides, near maybe some of the, the dining tables and the uh, the wall or the windows. And anybody mm -hmm. who comes up to Woe, uh, Woe will give like a polite curtsy and a how do you do, uh, because that's what she's taught to do as the uh, granddaughter of an ambassador. Mm -hmm. Uh, but inside Woe's head, she's constantly just saying, um, I want to go home. I want to go home. As you're kind of, like, sitting on these, like, dining tables that are placed kind of behind the, like, wall of food that they've placed on this banquet table, uh, and you are placed between this wall of food and the actual walls of the castle, it draws you a little bit of comfort to kind of be in what is kind of a smaller space than the rest of this space. Kind of blocked off a lot of the view from this food and there's the cold wall behind you just kind of gives you this small personal space as people pass you by and kind of go and sit down or they help themselves to some food everybody around you is very polite very jovial um some already very like intoxicated already uh as the king is very lavish in what he provides for the party um, you're just kind of like sitting here and just kind of like being to yourself. And as you, uh, do, you see, uh, your little lizard friend kind of come crawling down your arm and start to kind of slowly kind of make its way over to the food table to go and grab it, what it can. And along the way, each time a person is coming close or going to be passing by, it flips over and plays dead for a second before kind of keeping its eye open to kind of like see what's going on as it just continues to like crawl its way over to the food. But as you're kind of like watching one friend leave, you see that there another friend who's currently also investigating the food nearby who's being rather gentle to your friend your lizard friend and this is the white weasel um i'm very sheepishly gonna go over uh and uh, following behind snack who's the name of the lizard um mm -hmm. I'm going to follow behind and also get food. Uh, but I think palace food is very different from normal food that I would consider what mm -hmm. is food and how it looks, mm -hmm. that it doesn't look quite like food because it's very artisanal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just like eating things or I'm like picking at things that might not be food, like the tablecloth. I, I bite down on a fork. I ate half a candlestick. And I'm making my way Sounds over good. to this this person who's investigating the um my lizard. Uh still still eating the candlestick, pretending like it is food. Like this is what normal people do, right? 
Yes, so you start kind of like, give me a deception check as you're <laughs> eating a this candle. Is Deception check. Oh. Deception is zero. Ooh. I got a 18 flat. 18, nice. So it you. You don't draw any extra attention as you're kind of sitting here, kind of like snacking with Snack and this new friend that has come across. As you start to first approach it, at first it starts to kind of like rear up and kind of like scrunch its like back up a little bit and kind of like do a little like war dance to kind of like threaten you in a way. But you are a person of creatures, so after just kind of looking at you and just getting this vibe of like nothing you do will intimidate me the it just kind of like relaxes and start to kind of like flip over with snack like a snack kind of flips oh, over so it's sometimes like an actual just weasel like, on the table yes oh i thought this was just a person named white weasel okay oh no <laughs> this is an actual weasel all right let's get it Um, I offer my candlestick to the weasel. It takes the candlestick in its little canine teeth. You watch as they kind of like sink into the candle. And then you watch very closely as this little weasel proudly stomps back up towards the very front area where the king, queen, and the princes and princesses are sitting. Okay, I'm very um, interested in just following small creatures, so I'm going to follow it. Absolutely. So you start to kind of like, not quite on the floor, hands and knees, but kind of crouched yeah. a little bit so that you're there kind you of go. like over the walking. animal, like watching it, observing it, and it leads you up to Freya. Freya, you see as Vitri comes back, and just kind of like crawls underneath your seat as you see Woe kind of emerging from the crowd watching your weasel and uh, where crouching it Crouching from the crowd. Yes, crouching from the crowd. <laughs> Are you interested in Viter? Oh, uh, is that... Is that your weasel? Yes. And its name is Weasel? N no, his, his name is Snyviter, but Snyviter. I call him Viter. Viter. Viter the Weasel. Yes, his name means pure white snow. Oh, uh... Oh, I um, recognize where I am, and I'm going to get up and give you a curtsy. Uh, I am Vo Velkadar, a granddaughter uh, of Spring Velkadar. It is a pleasure yes. to meet you. Well, the pleasure is all mine.
And as you two kind of like begin a small conversation, um, click clack. Where do you think your where do you think you would be during this party? Oh, I think Click Clack is currently a little bit later to the party, so we will go to Encina. Encina, where do you feel like you would be for the party? Um, in all honesty, I think Encina is perhaps kind of like, is almost pretty, is being a wallflower probably towards like, just pretty much anywhere out of the crowd is, like, very much observing the goings-on and what's happening. Um, and is also just looking for, like, any anything that would lead them to where they're trying to get to. Like, they're looking for, like, ornate doors or, like, just any sort of thing that they think would lead or would start to lead them towards, like, this plant that they're looking for. Um, and I think they're also, similarly to R, they're also keeping a lookout for, like, any riches or jewels, like, pretty much anything they can snag. Absolutely. Go ahead and give me a perception check. Or investigation. Sure. You can go ahead and choose. Okay. Um, let me see. Yeah, I'll give you perception, because I have a negative one to investigation. <laughs> oh, yeah, fair. Okay, so that's a seven for my perception. <laughs> Fantastic. So you're kind of looking around. There's a lot of people. There are stone giants like Torjack promised you. And <laughs> uh, it's uh, so it's like you kind of blend in, but you're kind of keeping to yourself off to the side a little bit. Um, but with looking around, you're like, you see that there are a couple of doors that kind of lead you other locations there is one door that you do spot that you might be the vivarium it's got like a glass door as well as some glass windows on the outside and it looks like it leads to like a possible like outside so it's either the outside or it's the vivarium hmm yeah i think um i think it's seen as gonna walk towards it and just this kind of like She's also, like, sipping on a lemonade, and she's kind of, like, looking around, like, blending into the crowd, and her plan is if she gets there and someone stops her, she's just gonna play dumb. So she's walking over towards this door and looking around to see if anybody's gonna stop her or is watching her. Yeah, so as you start to kind of approach the door, you can see that there are two guards that are posted outside of it. Shit. <laughs> um, well, you know what? <laughs> I think Encina's gonna walk up to them. Um, uh, pronouns for the guards. <laughs> um, you look and you see one is a, like, they both have masculine figures, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, you can assume probably he, him pronouns. Okay, for both of them? Yes. Okay, beautiful. Um, so Encina's gonna walk up and go, well... Howdy and good uh, good evening, gentlemen. How we doing? They look up to you as you definitely tower over them. 
and they kind of like take maybe like a quarter step back you can tell that these are some like maybe some younger guards who are like just put on like post duty out here and be like um doing um doing very well ma'am thank you i hope you're enjoying the party well, I am, I am. It's not very often someone like me gets invited to a big party like this, so it's, um, it's, it's definitely something. And, um, <laughs> Encina kind of noticing that these guards are kind of quivering a little bit in her, in her, uh, her presence. She kind of, like, leers over them a little bit and goes, Tell me, would you mind, would you mind... Like maybe giving me a little hint as to what's behind this door. It just it looks it looks interesting. Yeah, so they you just kinda like look around and also like as you're kinda looking around, you see that there's also like with your past like uh perception, it's like pretty easy to tell that there you see at least one person who's kind of like already inebriated. Uh, who has their, like, a satchel at their side that you could probably easily swipe if you wanted to. Okay, cool. Um, I think Encina's gonna make a note of that, but also wait to see if the guards answer her, or if they're gonna just be like, no, you can't come here. Yeah, they, uh, they, they kind of look to you and they're like, um, um unfortunately, ma'am, we can't let anybody into the vivarium at this time. Um, it's being very closely guarded by at least me and, uh, Finnegan here. Um, and there's a couple more on the inside as well. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately we can't let anybody in here. Oh, uh, well that seems like a right shame, but I suppose that makes sense. Um, I think they're um, reserving the area for if when they choose the Sacred Seven, I think they're going to chalk in there. We had to set up some really heavy tables and chairs and stuff, and it was a lot of hard work, but we got it done. So, I mean, if you're chosen, maybe you get to go in there, but there's also a lot of people here. So, um, it's also not a guarantee that the Chosen's even going to be here. So, yeah. Good luck, I guess. I love these two little men so much. Um, um, the guards would notice at the mention of the Chosen. Um, and Cena does get a very sour look across her face. And she kind of clicks her tongue and she's like... Chosen. Right, well... Well, gentlemen, you enjoy the party. Um... Well, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me that little information. Um, but carry on. And um, Encina is actually going to turn around and walk away because she now she knows what's behind the door. So now she can make a more informed plan rather than just knocking these guards over and going in there and probably getting bum rushed by a bunch of other guards. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. So I think yeah. So she is going to circle back and go for the. Um, the uh, satchel you mentioned earlier. Fantastic. Go ahead and give me that sleight of hand check. Surely. And how does um, blood die? What do I add to that again? I just wanted to make sure. Yes, yeah, so you just state that you're going to be taking a blood dice, and when you do, you can add a d6 to any roll. So you can add a d6 to the sleight of hand check if you so choose. Okay, I'm going to do a blood die then. Fantastic. 
Oh, I didn't fucking need to! Damn it! Um, I got an 18 on the die, so let's see what we get, uh, with this. And you said it was a d6? Yes. Okay, so it's a it's a 19 sleight of hand. Because I got a 1 on the die. Still great. So uh, with a 19, you're able to uh, easily kind of like swing past this inebriated person as they're kind of like swaying and enjoying the music and just kind of like snatch that for yourself and you find 20 gold in that pouch. Fuck yeah. And as Encina does this, she very like, she mumbles to herself like her two fangs kind of like sticking out in a sneer and she's like, that's why you don't come to a dang party inebriated and all your fucking senses out of whack, idiot. She pockets the money. <laughs> you pocket the cash and shake your head as you kind of walk back to kind of gather and formulate more of a plan. Uh, and with that, the last um, PC member, Click Clack, where do you feel like you would be here in the party? Click Clack. Uh, what would Click Clack be doing at this party? Uh... He is very out of sorts. <laughs> uh, surrounded by a bunch of people he doesn't know. They're all 100%. dressed super fancy. He's just thinking about his boy back home. <laughs> You're just thinking uh, about your boy back home. With him on your mind, do you feel like Click Clack would want to maybe see if he could spot the vivarium in its location? Absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead and make an investigation or a perception check. That is going to be a 17 investigation. Fantastic. So with a 17 investigation check, you're kind of scanning the room like you do normally your environments usually you are much more comfortable in wooded areas but you're just kind of scanning around and looking and you do spot large glass doors with two large windows kind of looking out um into what looks like a garden and but what you can probably probably varium as it is like a lot of concentrated plants in like certain areas so it's like less of a garden, more of a collection. So your mind goes, that's probably the vivarium. And as you look over there, you can see uh, with the 17 that there are currently two guards outside of that main door that you can see, as well as a like eight foot tall, like Goliath that's kind of like walking away from that area. Mm. Click-clack makes his way over. You kind of, like, move your way through the crowd. Being all of four feet tall, you're able to easily just kind of, like, duck and bob and weave in between all of these, like, people. And you come across these two uh, young-looking guards standing outside of the glass door. Uh, they seem to be both young men using he-him pronouns. Uh, they both have masculine figures, be it very scrawny, but still masculine. Uh, and they're just like, um, hello there, little guy. Um, what can I do for you? Welcome to the party. They just kind of remember to, like, be polite. 
Kenku, uh, Kenku, <laughs> click clack, is going to like just look back and forth between the two of them for a little bit. Uh, like shrugs her shoulders a little, and then <laughs> he's just gonna open his mouth and just a glass of water, please. Um, they kind of like look and she's like, um, yeah, sure. So, uh. Our water is kind of located over off to the right-hand side. Um, there's like a couple of different waters. Some of them have like fruits and stuff inside. Um, but it's located just right over here. And uh, the guard just kind of like points you to like just kind of off to the right-hand side where you see a little table of like of refreshments, like beverages. Hmm. I'm not as dumb as they look. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, these men have a job, and at this young of an age, they do—they do have intentions on keeping it. Mm. Would you like to try and make a perception check, like past them into the vivarium? Yes. Go ahead. Fourteen. Fourteen. You look through, it's definitely, now that you're closer, confirmed that this is the location of the Vivarium. You're looking through, you see that, you know, that you've seen guards throughout here. That there are a couple of guards, a couple at the front door, a couple here and there, just kind of to keep an eye out. But there are two guards posted outside of this Vivarium, and there's at least four more inside, and possibly more located on any other door that may possibly be on this Vivarium. You're just kind of thinking that this is a little heavily guarded for one reason or another, and you can't quite really put two and two together on why, but at the moment you see that it's heavily guarded. But looking inside, you do see the aforementioned table and chairs that have been set up, um, it, it looks like they're going to be possibly having some sort of meeting here, and from the invitation that you received, it's probably where the Sacred Seven are probably going to be transferred over to, to chat, once they are chosen. In this instance, Click-Clack is going to... Uh, like, bow his head in thanks to the two young guards. And he's just gonna, like, just, like, hop his way over to, like, the refreshment table. And then he's going to hide underneath it. Because he <laughs> uh, he's just going to wait for the seven to be cho chosen, and he's gonna try to sneak in through the doors once they open. Fantastic. Go ahead and give me a stealth check. <laughs> That's a dirty 20. A dirty 20, yes. So you very easily, like, just kind of dip underneath this refreshment table, and there is a long, beautiful, like, silk cloak that's over it that just kind of helps hide you, uh, and especially your dark feathers in the darkness of this under table. Um, and, uh, let us also, because I did forget to do this, let's go ahead and once again really quick go through monday through sunday 
and have you describe the outfit that you wore to this gala. Hello, Monday here. So, uh, R is going to be uh, wearing kind of like a white shirt that's like, it has those, uh, I don't know the best way to describe it, like those frilly type things at the at the cuffs of the sleeves mm -hmm. and along the the chest kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing a black overcoat over that as well. Uh, other than that, he's mostly trying to keep a low profile as he steals these people blind. So he's mostly in dark colors. Uh, he, he would actually also have like a, a dark green vest over the white shirt mm -hmm. as well. But the frills are the other fr frills. Yeah. Uh, are still coming out in the center. <laughs> Beautiful. So it's like a very simple blends in with the crowd, but still elegant in its own way. How about yes, okay. Tuesday. Uh, Oriana doesn't know how to do anything without a bit of flair. So, Oriana, Oriana normally stands about 5'4", but with the, heel, the heels that she's wearing gives her appearance of maybe nearly 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, um, while hidden by her dress, the shoes are black with golden sun details in them. Her amethyst skin is beautifully contrasted against the dress she wears. She wears a high-collar dress with a deep V neckline. Uh, from her neck hangs a dainty gold necklace with a sun and moon charm resting just above her cleavage. The dress tra trails behind her. The bottom of the dress, a shimmery black that fades to a deep violet and mahogany red as it moves up her body. The, this color fades to an autumn orange, deep gold. As you look at her dress, it almost resembles a sunrise. The gold continues to the neckline, and then as it goes down her sleeves, they fade to a snowy white. And on her hands, she wears pure white gloves. Her long white hair is braided back into an elegant updo. On top of her head, she wears a golden tiara with golden, almost sun-like rays coming off of it, with golden roses and vines instead of the bottom of the tiara. Her stormy gray eyes seem to glow in contrast to the gold eyeshadow she wears, with a shimmery gloss on her lips. Oriana's name means like the dawn, or sunrise, or to rise up. And she's taken quite well to that name. So, it seemed only right to make an appearance, just as the sun does every morning. Absolutely beautiful. And now it is time for Wednesday, Miss Wo. Uh, please go ahead and describe your outfit for the evening. Oh, um... Bo's wearing probably a nice uh, ball gown, two color, uh, a green and a dark blue. Um, her hair is in one large braid tied behind her back. Uh, 
And she's never been one for jewelry, but she is covered head to toe with just live flowers. Beautiful. So you are in this beautiful dress with flowers decorating your hair. Maybe you decided to keep a couple extra in there for the day instead of trimming them back or plucking them in their entirety. Right. Um, how about click-clack? As you are hiding underneath your uh, table right now, what are you wearing? So click-clack was later to the party than people expected because click-clack had to make his outfit on the walk over. Uh, he had uh, gathered all of the prettiest leaves he could find and like the richest reds and the brightest oranges and kind of just like tied them together uh, to make like a, just a really nice vest um, and uh, even attach some to the capes to the cape he wears. Uh, he does not wear shoes, as he hates them. And on top of his head, and on his face, is a beautiful, beautiful silken top hat with a rich forest green band and a monocle that he had stolen off of somebody on his path <laughs> to the ball. <laughs> Yeah, so you are decked out in the wonderment of the woods as you are decorated little, like, silver bells that you found along the way, little, like, scraps of, like, beautiful paper and parchment and leaves and stuff that you've stitched and kind of, like, fabricated together, along with these lovely pairs of shoes that you just found, uh, and you are still uh, under the table, so the crew cannot see it at the moment. But, um, my queen, what are you wearing to the party? A question for DM. Uh, do, does our kingdom have any specific colors for the royal family? Um, the royal colors for the family are going to be, um, greens, like a, a deep, like, kind of forested green, as well as a violet purple color. It's going to be matching colors for your eyes and the king's eyes. So, um... Melanoi's outfit is meant to complement King Eros in every way. So I feel like to compliment his own and make him stand out among all these people, she's wearing a very deep violet gown made of silk. It, it wraps around her torso um, and flares out around her hips. Uh, on her feet are um, sandals that wrap around, golden sandals that wrap around all up her legs, her hooves, um, to... Um, up to her knee, uh, on her head, on one of her horns, wraps a chain of shells, and in the middle of her head lays her crown. And uh, that is what Queen Noah is wearing. I love that. Um, next to you, your king, uh, 
is not as um, thoughtful as you are. Uh, he is not going with the color scheme and is instead wearing his bright red war jacket uh, atop a kind of disheveled clothes in a way. It's kind of a like loosely buttoned like white shirt underneath um, and no pants because he has very hairy satyr legs. So he just normally doesn't usually wear pants and he's just decided, fuck it, I'm just not going to do it for this party. But you do notice that the guard is keeping up with tradition and wearing a green vest over his white button-up. Oh, she definitely looks over and gives a nod. Very small. He uh, also does a very small, like, nod to you. Um, trying not to draw too much attention, but still mm -hmm. stand as the royal guard. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. I believe Encina is next. Hello. Um, yeah, so Encina is wearing a black bodycon dress that crisscrosses at the sleeves, which is to say there is no sleeves. It's just two pieces of fabric that crisscross over her neck. Um, and she is wearing a pair of black heels, which just make her that much taller um she's normally about a uh, nine and a half foot tall this makes her approximately about nine 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 <laughs> um and she's also wearing um a pair of like purple dangly earrings um and a like a a, a gold, a gold and, um, or not gold, but like a yellow and black sort of pearl necklace. Um, and she has her hair done up in like a high ponytail. And that's pretty much it. I love that. Absolutely gorgeous. Came here. Everyone came here for to serve looks. And last but not least, young prince. Freya, what are you wearing first? Um, Freya, as he stands at the top of the staircase entering the crowd's view, stands about 7-9 without any of the adornments he's wearing. Um, <clears throat> adorned with a bright green cape that is dotted with flowers and fungus on a field of grass. A vest of fabric that could only rival diamonds with the clarity and shine of it. No pants, but upon his brow was the piece that would draw everybody's attention most. A beautiful silver crown with a deep red gem in the shape of a broken heart. Though from the crown, a pair of antlers lay over his own horns and stand about a foot higher broad antlers of a stag made of deep green crystal. And as he reaches the bottom of the stairs, he remembers the one thing that his father has said. Don't show up your brother. So as he 
gets to the bottom of the stairs. He lights a match, but before anybody can see that it's a match, he casts a minor illusion on it to look like a butterfly. And as he allows it to sail through the, the air onto the cape and landing, the bright green turns to molten red and ashen gray, which travels up and over his head and face, painting a black and gold half face mask over his face, dangling from his crown on his brow and on the forehead, the sigil of Kaivalya. The vest and crystal antlers have gone from clear diamond and violent green to a dark obsidian color as he makes his way to the table. Incredible. And then as you guys are starting to kind of settle into this party, as you start to kind of like mingle, acknowledge the other people in the room, acknowledge that the royals have entered the party, everybody starts to kind of feel the ground underneath them shake a little bit. It starts to kind of originate from the ancient formation as the rock seems to kind of like jag a little bit to the side and starts to crumble. And you see the chandelier above it start to kind of like shake from side to side as the light from it begins to emanate brighter and brighter. And you see uh, Extralia, for those who know his name, for those who don't, a bright pink purple, like standing currently next to Oriana, just immediately start to like freak out and just be like, it's time, it's time, it's time! As the lights start to kind of flutter up and out of this cracking formation, you see little beams of light start to come out and these beams of light come out in different like lengths and different strengths and from the brightest of these come floating little spectrals that fly and float in the air and float to the ground and as the formation continues to fall and break away these beams of light start to shoot out what looks like fragments of paper and as you're looking and watching this all unfold before you, nothing like this has happened on this island before. This is an ancient rock that has been here since the formation of these islands, and it is breaking in front of your eyes. And these beams of light and these little fluttering shoots of paper just kind of go out, and you watch as seven fully formed pieces of paper hit the ground around this now broken formation. Extralia goes, grabs each of the papers, and holds them in his hands. As he's like, The seven have been chosen! Please, when I call your names, please come to the front. Oriana Starweaver! Uh, you watch Oriana as your parents, like, 
kind of half clap for you as they're kind of staring at you in like full amazement and shock. I think Oriana, upon hearing her name, she doesn't quite comprehend what this truly means because her body is moving before her brain can catch up. Her head is held high and the widest smile I think anyone in that social circle has ever seen crosses her lips, tears welling in her eyes because for the first time in her life, she was chosen. She was picked first. She is something more than what her parents have decided her to be. And she makes her way up, knowing that whatever's ahead could be dangerous, but all she knows is it's hers and hers alone. You approach the now broken formation and and uh, we were already pretty standing fairly close, but you step forward towards Xralia, and you see his eyes look to you in a, like, calm, but also concerning manner, because, you know, this is this stuff of legend. He's, of course, he's curious about what's going on. You see him kind of, like, studying you in a way, just trying to remember, like, the details of your face and, like, trying to possibly decipher, like, you know, why you were chosen. Not necessarily in a demeaning or a poor way, but just trying to logically work it out in his head. Like, why were these people chosen? He looks down uh, and hands you your slip of paper with your name written out in beautiful calligraphy. He looks down back at his hands and reads out, Whoa, Welterdock! Um, I think upon hearing her name, Wo kind of, like, jumps a little bit and tries to hide. Go ahead and, uh, give me a stealth check if you want to hide. Net 20. Wait, nat 20? Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. No, that's great. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So you, when the nat 20, you kind of like are back in your like chair in a way, like kind of still observing the room and stuff. And you just kind of like dip underneath your table. Uh, and you are hidden. Well, no, that's me. And, um... You hear once again, Exralia, call your name out. Bo Veltadok! Um. Yeah, I really don't want to go up there. <laughs> and then you kind of like hear like a little bit of a pause, some like murmuring and stuff around the crowd and stuff like that. And then you hear uh, the same voice, Exralia, just go, hmm, perhaps she's in the restroom. Next, we have 
And he kind of, like, shuffles through his paper, like, puts yours, like, in, like, holds his in his hand while still looking at his other hand at, like, the list and stuff. Uh, as they look down, they kind of, like, look at the piece of paper and, like, smudge it with their hand a little bit, like, they're trying to read it clearly. And they kind of, like, hold it up and kind of, like, look at it, and they're like... Okay, well, this one just says R. Does anyone go by R here? I can't see the rest of the letters in this. It's kind of burnt. R? <laughs> we'll uh, actually just go up there. So I think that might be referring to me, good sir. Ah, well, uh, I think you are the fastest to respond to it, so I would assume that is what you are called. Here you are, and he hands you a slip of paper, and it is indeed the letter R written very beautifully, but then the letters and words that come after that are all smudged out. Perfect. He'll, he'll grab that and go. It, it's like everyone's standing at the top, right? Yeah, everyone's standing kind of like at the top, kind of close-ish to this formation uh, that's okay. now crumbled. Um, you go, you stand among those that are called. Um, he that gives you a little bit of a, like, nod, like a, like, you know, a congratulatory, like, you know, this is fantastic. Like, he's just still got eyes of wonderment in, in like, staring at you and everybody as well. Uh, they look down at the paper and they're like, Encina Virgil. Um, anyone who is looking at Encina, um, will see her immediately just, like, stiffen, like, her, her grip on her drink is, or, like, on her glass is enough to almost shatter it, like, it's starting to crackle along the, along the, the outside of it. And she's just sitting there staring, and she's like muttering under her under her tongue. She's like, "Not again! This can't be happening again! I can't do this again!" And um, she takes a minute, kind of takes a breath, and thinks about like what the guards had told her earlier, where you know. The seven are going to be in the vivarium, most likely. And that's where she can get her plant and whatever else she may need. And if she can get a hold of that plant, it can be for the good of other people. She can help people with it. And even if she is chosen, it doesn't mean doesn't mean she has to she has to complete it. She's run away from something like this before. She can do it again. So she clears her throat. And she starts walking through the crowd, and she goes, Yeah, that'd be me, little man. Uh, yeah, so you you approach him. Everyone to you is absolutely small, but this furbolg is at least, you know, a decent height than some of the smaller folk, especially Torjak that you've met before. Uh, is You know, he stands at about six foot tall. So he looks up at you uh, and hands you um, your the slip of paper with your name written in calligraphy on it. Um, Encina takes it and, um, just kind of shoves it in her boobs. 
Just underneath. <laughs> She's like, well, thanks for that, I guess. <laughs> that in there. Nice little spot. Tuck it away for later. It's, As a, you it's a purse. <laughs> it's a purse. It's a whole other purse. Um, <laughs> you, you tuck that away for later. And you head up with the rest of y your friends, or not friends, but these chosen people who uh, names were also called amongst this crowd. Uh, and you watch as Xralia goes back and looks down at his list again. And uh, he kind of stops for a second before he reading off the next name. It's almost like he's doesn't really want to say it. And after a couple seconds of silence, you can almost hear like a pin drop. Calls out. Freya Valiance. Freya is surprised to say the least. Though as he steps forward, the cape slides back off his shoulders, pulling the vest with it, and a thick leathered harness of black and green straps with golden pauldrons on his shoulders, stands there as he stands there, walks forward and looks at him and says, Now, don't be surprised. I knew I was for more, for more than just this he Zarlia kind of like nods and looks at you and then just like whispers to you I always knew you were and hands you your slip of paper he smiles and stands next to the rest of the chosen he then after removing the paper and handing it to Freya looks back down at his next name and lets out like an audible like like shocking gasp that comes from his mouth he puts his hand to his head and kind of like rubs his temples as he kind of like paces a little bit and without announcing it he looks up to the queen. Her eyes immediately... They had torn themselves away from Freya. Having followed his movement up to the rest of the crew. And she just drifts and she focuses in on them. And I think she knows just from that look but waits for any further instruction. He does not break eye contact with you as he reads off. The queen 
Melano Valiance. She sits there for a very long moment. And I presume she can feel the disturbance of the family, her family next to her, presumably. And she, she looks at Freya first and then to the rest of her children. And with one last look at them all, she silently stands up. And uh, she slowly makes her way to him. You walk past your second-born son, Freya, as you reach your hand out to his for a little bit of comfort on both ways, not only to comfort yourself, but to comfort them as well. As you get handed the slip of paper, which does in fact say your name. Uh, She loses her breath and she delicately takes the paper, folds it up and she doesn't look back at King Eros, instead she looks back at Freya. She goes, We both will be doing this together. Adventure, like you've always promised. An adventure. And I think at that point, Freya kind of waves his fingers in the air for a second, and two doves fly over his mother and drop a cloth that floats down around her shoulders. And he takes a metal chain with crystal clips and puts them on the edges to hold it on her shoulder. As the cloth turns from just a shiny, silky, silver cloth to a chainmail collar that encompasses the entire space around his mother's head. And he smiles as his mask is now like that of molten gold floating across the black and says, I can't let my mother be the showstopper without me doing something about it. Oh, Freya. You've long since stopped the show. Let's start this adventure. But I guess we have some more people to pick out. I suppose we do. And she... Go Go ahead. I was just going to say she squeezes her son's hand before releasing yeah. it, and then her hands come up to like rest among the, the chain mail. And I think this is the most comfortable she's been at one of these parties in a very long time. With the promise of a real adventure beyond this very scary choosing, you receive your name and take a side with your son. Uh, Exralia looks down 
at the two pieces of paper left in his hand and then calls out, Click Clack! Click Clack isn't quite sure he heard correctly. And he kind of just like stands up from under the table. But not like coming out from in front of it, but like from behind as if he had dropped something. It was like kind of just looking around. <laughs> like, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, no one exactly knows who you are here. So people are kind of like looking around and waiting for somebody to kind of like come up or like claim the name Click Clack. Uh, and you hear once again Xralia call out, Click Clack. Uh, having it confirmed, knowing that he's going to get where he wants to go, he kind of, like, fluffs himself up a bit, and then, like, excitedly hops up to, uh, claim this piece of paper. Click, clack! Paper! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Xralia kind of looks a little like, uh, you are the only one to, uh, to approach with such eagerness and excitement. Uh, he kind of, like, is taken back for a quick second and then hands you your paper. He's like, yes, click-clack, paper, and hands you your, uh, the piece of paper that has your name written out in very beautiful writing. Not writing that probably click-clack has not probably seen, uh, but it is, like, very, very beautiful. He examines it for a minute, sniffs it a little, considers eating it, and then just like goes and joins the others. As you contemplate a quick papery snack and join the other uh, others that have been chosen, Xralia looks down and is like, Well, that just leaves. Whoa, Welterdock. Uh, I think at the second calling of my name, I want to involuntarily use one of my features. Uh, Absolutely. Find exactly features. Uh, yes. So, in about a five radius circle around me uh people start to feel a little weaker and all the flowers on my person just wilt and die um as i feel like a spotlight is just shined on me and i'm going to meekly stand up and say i'm sorry i think that is me as you stand up, involuntarily casting this magic from you, you watch as some of the table decoration flowers start to immediately turn brown and wilt and reach towards the ground. And a couple of people who are sitting at tables nearby you, uh, who were obviously like drinking and enjoying the party, uh, start to kind of look a little sick. They start to kind of like look green in the face and almost like they could like or like they're getting like too drunk and sick a little bit. No one uh, actually vomits 
in front of you, but the people around you start to feel just a little sick. <laughs> As you uh, uh, say, like, I'm sorry, I think that's me. Um, Exoralia's like, oh, that's all right, child. Come on in. Uh, I'm very meek and uh, slowly kind of going to get up on stage and take the paper. And I guess stand in line. Exoralia hands you your paper, and you stand here in a line with seven. <laughs> you take take that paper. Are you gonna eat the paper? Or are you gonna hold on oh, to I'm, it? It's got I'm your name on it. Crying right now. So. <laughs> just, just holding on. Just You're crying currently. I don't want to be yeah. here. One hundred percent. You didn't. You didn't want to be here in the first place, and now you were chosen. This is probably absolutely a moment where like tears would be falling down your face right now. Uh, Exralia turns to face all seven of you, and is like, "In the centuries of our land, no sacred seven has been chosen before, and yet here they stand now. Let us adjourn to the vivarium." And he starts to kind of guide you towards the vivarium as the party starts to kind of chatter around you whispers of this new prophecy that is apparently is supposed to be coming true. And it's coming true in front of their very eyes. And this is where we are going to end our first session. Thank you to all the viewers listening to this episode. Um, this has been in the works for what? A little Why while. Three months, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're super excited to tell these stories with all these characters. Um, come back next week for the next episode. And Have also, a great day, everyone. Keep an eye out on socials for other announcements of other things. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.